0: to practically fit real fitness over 40. I'm Jen Chamberlain.
1: And I'm Alex Johnson.
0: And today we're going to be talking about setting realistic fitness goals. This is something that Alex and I both have struggled with somewhat me with my uh, 10 marathons in 10 years. And Alex, you've had quite a bit of experience with this as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could say that again. Um, a lot of it boils down to my competitive nature. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so yes. that's not always the best for setting realistic fitness goals.
0: Yeah, I would say those two can be pretty incompatible. I'm not that competitive, but I can be pretty unrealistic too. But Alex, since you're the expert on competitiveness, why don't you go first?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, let's talk about that. Let's just dive right in. I, I think being competitive with yourself and even with others can lead to unrealistic fitness goals so at, mm. at the end of the show we'll talk through some practical tips that we've come up with for setting goals but let's talk about this competitive thing in, in our, <laughs> because so for me um, I, I just I often want to compete with myself and everything is like I have to do Better. I have to ride faster. I have to ride up this hill faster. Mm-hmm. I have to run a faster time on this 5k. I, ha- I have to lift more weight. And so that's something I'm, I'm constantly battling. I mean, r- right now, the big one um, in my life has been cycling. So I do you use, are you familiar with the app Strava? No, I actually use a map my run because
0: I'm mostly just a runner, but uh, yeah, but you, I've heard of, heard of Strava.
1: Yeah. You know, I love Strava. So it's, I know for those of Strava. you who, <laughs> for those of you who aren't familiar with it, Strava has something called segments. So it's, it's just like any of these fitness apps you, it has, you know, it connects up to your device. You can see where you ran or rode your bike or whatever. But as you're doing these, these activities, there's something called segments. So segments are literally places that people have drawn on a map, whether it's on a road, if you're riding or on a trail, if you're running, whatever, and you can compete to get the best time on these segments. So they have something called a KOM, which is a term in cycling, King of the Mountain, but you want to get the KOM. You want to be the fastest on that segment. So I have a slight obsession with riding up hills and trying to be the KOM of of the hills and, um with cycling, it's very difficult because there are people who are amateur cyclists who are extremely advanced, similar to running, but it is dang near impossible to get a KOM anywhere in the area that I live because there's so many amateur cyclists. And, um, my wife gets really frustrated with me. We'll be out, (laughs) we'll be out riding and I'll be like, okay, there's, I'll know that the hill's coming up and it comes up on my bike computer. I'm like, I'll just say, okay, bye. And I'll go ride up this. And she's just like, what are you doing? Like, just enjoy the ride. It doesn't. So for me, that's been the latest manifestation. Have you ever gotten competitive with the running though? I mean, I,
0: not really in that same way I do like to compete with myself but I just have to say this thing you're talking about on Strava it sounds like candy for competitive people like it's it's built in just to get people obsessed with it I have to think
1: oh it is and there are people who I see their rides um and they just go out to capture KOMs and they title their rides based on the number of KOMs or trophies that they got which is ridiculous so but I mean I've literally done the same thing. I thought, I'm going to go to this place today. <laughs> I'm going oh. to be the fastest up that hill. And sometimes I'll do it. And then, like, two weeks later, somebody that I beat will come back and steal it from me. And it, it literally sends you an email that's like, oh no. You've lost the KOM. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, the other one that's hilarious is there's a, it's called Local Legend. And this is for the people who are not fast enough, which is most of us, to get a KOM. And basically, it's just the person who's done the segment the most number of times in 90 days. (laughs) So that that gets competitive too. Of
0: course, of course. (laughs) The
1: the craziest thing I saw was uh, there was just some random little hill where I had become the local legend because I I was doing a circuit on it just to get some hill training in. And so I became the local legend. And then literally at like 11 p.m. at night, I see that someone has <laughs> stolen my local legend. And I thought, well, I rode up that hill like five times today. That seems, this person had gone out at 10 p.m. at night and not wow. just ridden up six times to beat me. They rode up the hill like 15 times, which I found um, super weird. And I thought, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mess with that. <laughs> like This person is bizarre. crazy. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of ways in Strava to get competitive, but running same thing i yeah i guess you haven't been as competitive there as i have but you know i i the 5k thing was bad for me because i was trying to set my own prs on 5ks and then and then i would try to compete with people in the race which would just lead to me like blowing myself out on the first mile of the race
0: right i just <laughs> i do remember the time you almost killed yourself in that terrible beer run that we did
1: right right which i was completely worthless because i didn't even come close to remotely winning the race, I nearly had a heat stroke. There was a guy who had a literal heat stroke there um, yes, at I that know. race. So yeah, that's, but, th- but this competitive nature is really interesting because I think, I think it can be detrimental to setting realistic fitness goals. So that's something like I've had to try and rein in now when I'm setting my goals is, is reigning back the competitive nature Um, What about you though, Jen? What, what's really been the detriment for you in terms of setting realistic fitness goals? Well, I have a different problem.
0: I'm really not that competitive against other people. I do like to set goals for myself and sort of compete against myself that way. But what's really made it hard for me to set realistic fitness goals. Honestly, it's fear. Um, I have three big fears in life that just constantly haunt me. And one of them is getting cancer. It's not entirely unfounded since both of my parents passed away from cancer. Uh, The other is losing my job. And the third one is becoming obese. So let me just unpack those a little bit. My coworker just the other day was talking about how losing your job doesn't have the stigma it used to when I was coming up in my career. So maybe that's one I can let go of. But the third fear is really the cruelest. I mean, obviously, there's no shame in being obese. It doesn't mean you're undisciplined or unworthy or even necessarily unhealthy, according to some recent studies. My mom was obese her entire life. And while she had her issues, she was a kind and caring, lovely person. But she had such a deep sense of shame and unworthiness around her weight, that unfortunately, she kind of passed it on to me. Um, and so I've dealt with this fear through running, you know, we talked a lot about that in the first episode, I'm constantly trying to outrun the blurch. Um The author of the oatmeal, Matt Inman talks about this hilariously, because he's hilarious, but uh, the blurch is like this inner unhealthy person. And um, I've, I've been that person, like always trying to, to outdo myself in that way. And it's not always been that healthy. Sometimes I've don't make the best choices. You know, I've run when I'm injured, or when I'd rather be spending time with my family, or when my body's just telling me that I need a break. I'm sure you can relate to that too, Alex.
1: Yeah. So, so the, the concern about becoming obese is interesting. Um, for me, I've never really had that one. You know, I'm so skinny. I'm so like, when I was young, uh, I, I definitely got the kind of negative body self image, but it was actually completely the other direction. People would make fun of me, like call me monkey arms and things like that because my, my, I had really long skinny arms. I'm super skinny. Uh, so I, I, you know, to some extent that has driven competitiveness for me as well. Oh yeah. Uh, when it comes to like strength training, you know, some point you just have to realize like, I'm not going to look like the rock (laughs) with (laughs) with my body type. You know, I can feel healthy. I can feel muscular. I can feel strong, but I'm not going to look like, you know, the people in the movies or what you see on Instagram. Um, this, this idea of fear though is interesting to me. I want to unpack that a little more with you. So I think that drives me sometimes as mm-hmm. well to, to set unrealistic goals. For me, it's very similar to what you described. It's fear around health. right? Uh, again, not necessarily the obesity, but you know, my dad passed away of cancer, mm-hmm. but before that he had, I mean, he had cancer twice. He had it, um, when he passed away a few years ago, he had prostate cancer, but he also had uh, cancer in his rib in the 1980s and he was able to beat that. Wow. came back from that, then around 2000, he had a stroke. Oh. Uh, so seeing that in your family, uh, like I mentioned my blood pressure, that that is one that drives me sometimes to almost be, even though I'm trying to be healthy and trying right. <laughs> to trying to reduce my blood pressure, sometimes it drives me to be unhealthy with the amount I'm exercising. So Absolutely. I think this is where, yeah, as we as we think through this, this is where setting realistic fitness goals comes in.
0: Exactly. And they can be health based, but the key is realistic, right?
1: Right, right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about setting realistic fitness goals. Um, We have a few tips that we're going to talk through here, uh, about five of them that we think will help you set better goals. The first one is really straightforward. It's don't bite off more than you can chew. So I have a really good recent example of this Jen and, and you jump in as well. Um, so, uh, earlier in the year, um, I had before I actually just recently broke my fibula. So I've been recovering from that. But before that, uh, my, my wife had got me back into running a little bit. Cause I said, I've been obsessed with cycling and, and she wanted to start doing some more running mixing in because we were cycling so much. So, um, she decided like, that it would be good if we did this race in Washington DC. It's called the Cherry Blossom Ten, and I was like, "Yeah, great, sounds amazing." A ten k, I can get up for that. What um, I didn't realize that it wasn't ten k; it was ten miles. <laughs> <That's right>. I <laughs> and forgot. I hadn't, I hadn't been training that much. Neither of us had, and we had gone out one day for a run, you know, and we ran like three, four miles, and it was just miserable. And the this was in this was in the summer uh, here probably around June. And, um, or maybe it was before that because the race was earlier in the year, but it was hot. And, you know, rather than just realizing, you know what, this isn't going to work out. Um, it's like, I was just insistent that we were going to do this. And so we're going to run this much every week and we're going to cycle this much. It's just unrealistic. Eventually it became evident that it wasn't possible and we had to back out of the race, but um, we could have just headed it off at the past, right? And accepted that, like, this was not going to happen in this short amount of time. We bit off more than we could chew. So that's, right. that's I'm totally, the first tip.
0: I'm totally guilty of this, too, Alex. Uh, I've definitely done that. I've definitely run races that I haven't trained that well for. And, uh, it never, it never goes well. Interestingly, I think this is another area where you can get away with it a lot easier when you're younger. The last half marathon I ran here in San Francisco, I hadn't really trained well for it and boy, it beat me up, you know, yeah. but you know, when I was in my forties, I could get by with that. I just really can't past 50. It's like, it's almost like you can't cheat anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I feel the exact same way. So tip number one, don't bite off more than you can chew. Tip number two, and this is one that really comes from more like a business mindset, Mm -hmm. establish a baseline. What does success look like for you? Yes, these could be generic words at your corporate office job, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a good, it's a good mentality when it comes to fitness. So you could, especially if you're just getting into fitness, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you've decided to, to pick up a workout program, whether you're running, riding a bike, doing strength training, you know, rowing, whatever it is, you can't just at the beginning say like, I'm going to run 10 miles this week. Like you don't know what your actual ability at this point in time is. So you really need to just ease into the program, establish what success looks like for you and feel it out before you start setting these big effing goals as you were (laughs) talking (laughs) about in the first podcast. Uh, Jen, I mean, you have any thoughts on this one uh, as far as what success looks like for people.
0: Totally. Uh, Again, I have to turn back to running just because I've done that, you know, for the most, I don't know, the most over the past two decades. But that book that we both read, unfortunately, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but it talks about setting a realistic baseline too. So for example, you can't say you're going to go run a sub- 2 hour half marathon if you've never come even close to that pace right so take something you can actually do today as your baseline and then work up from there not your aspirational baseline i guess is what i'd say
1: yeah and so then that gets into biting off more than you can chew i guess in a way this tip like helps mitigate that start right. slow and see what you can do before you, you set the big goal. And by the way, I think the book was something along the lines of run less, run faster. Yeah, I think uh, it was a really too. good book for those of yes. you who are interested in running because it's counterintuitive, but really great training program there. Uh, so let's, let's get into the third tip. This one is something I picked up when I was a kid and I still use it to this day and it's making your goals visual. So that's what you may say, what how did you make a goal visual when you were a kid? Well, I can tell you. <laughs> so I had a dream of buying a Zenith TV for my room. Oh, wow. And yeah, I wanted this, like, it's crazy to think back to TVs when you're like 10 years old or whatever, but I wanted, I wanted a <laughs> 20 inch TV in my room. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I had my weekly allowance, right. I did, you know, like mow the lawn, whatever. My parents gave me a weekly allowance. So, I, I, one of my parents had suggested that I do like a, a a visual, like one of those thermometer charts Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that you see it with like charity or, you know, nonprofits trying to reach a certain fundraising goal. So I did this for my little Zenith TV. It was a thermometer chart and, you know, I needed like, I want to say it was like $150 at the time. So I set that chart up and every week I would add to that little thermometer and it, Gave me this sense of like, wow, I'm really working towards something. And guess what? I didn't blow my money. I got the TV. It, at that age, it was because I did the visuals, because I did the thermometer chart. So this is like a really powerful thing that you can you can do now. Um, I know I do it in Strava. It gives you a nice visualization on progress for your goals. You know, your running or your cycling goal. Jen, is this something that you've tried? Oh yeah. In, in,
0: I'm so glad you brought this up, Alex, because you're going to laugh. Like I'm still basically using a version of the thermometer chart. I have this yellow notepad. It's actually sitting right next to me right now where I literally map out daily whether I've met my goals for the day. And then I look back over the week and it's so incredibly helpful just to have that visual and also the accountability, I guess, of logging it every day. And even if I don't meet my goal, it's good to see that because you can also slip into this unrealistic habit of thinking, Yeah, I've eaten well and worked out this week when really you have it. (laughs) But but if you see it day by day, then you have this record and you can say, you know, maybe I, I could have done a little bit better this week. And again, it's bite size, attainable and realistic.
1: All right, and you're keeping it old school, so you don't have to use the app. You can right. you can still do the old school, writing it down, drawing it yourself. There. Yeah,
0: and guess what? Uh, my paper doesn't tell me if somebody else is king of the mountain.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I view that as a downside, but okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my competitive nature there. Uh, so let's get into the fourth tip. The fourth tip is resetting your expectations. And this is something that I'm a bit obsessed with, and people are probably really tired of me giving them this advice about expectations, but it's been such a powerful thing in my life that I think you can apply it to fitness goals. And um, I came across this concept in a uh, corporate training I was doing for work. It was called Vision Pursue. And it was a, you know, it was kind of a... Uh, a self-improvement type training where you're where you're working on your mindset. And this is really important right for for business, for leadership, but it's also important in your personal life. So, they had this concept in the training called expect the expected. And it mm-hmm. it sounds like not that big a deal, but when you start to apply it to your life, it's really powerful. Like how many times mm-hmm. do you hear people getting upset about the traffic? Like we both live in right. big cities, Jen, and people are like, "Oh my god, like Right. Okay, you live in Dallas. Like there's always going to be traffic. It, exactly. <laughs> expect that when you go drive on on the freeways in Dallas or Atlanta or Los Angeles or San Francisco or any of these places, right? There's traffic.
0: And I live in San Francisco, so there is always going to be fog at least for some part of the
1: day. <laughs> exactly. That's that's another great example, weather. Like how often do you hear people complaining about weather? Like, oh, it rained. I'm so upset. Well, like, there's a forecast. It's so, <laughs> right. it's like, you, again, you may expect that sometimes there's going to be weather that could, you know, interrupt your day or your plans. And so, if you set, if you change your mindset to expect traffic, uh, bad traffic, bad weather, And you know that going in, it really changes the way that you look at that. Uh, It's the same thing at work. Like no matter where you work, there's always going to be some sort of politics uh, at work, right? So if you expect it, if you reset your expectations to anticipate these issues, then it really helps you chill out about some of these things. And then you can kind of focus on what can I make a plan for? What do I have control over And what do I have not have control over, which are things like traffic, bad weather, politics, et cetera. So you can can really apply this concept to your fitness goals, I believe. So as part of resetting your expectations, especially if you are setting those big effing goals, like you need to realize you're not always going to achieve your fitness goals. Like I'm not always going to ride the amount I want to ride every week. And so for me, it's been a big deal rather than obsessing over the goals to kind of get over that and step back and say okay yeah it's okay if i don't always hit the goals the main thing is that i'm i'm pursuing the fitness program i'm improving over time slowly and not always going to be perfect
0: right you're making progress i mean that's the, the bottom line
1: yeah exactly i'm not always going to finish my dry january like that's just not gonna, <laughs> not going <gonna happen. laughs> yeah, to happen Yeah, we to talk about the 27th that. day yeah <laughs> no so Last tip, keep it simple. And this is again something that I think applies to fitness. It applies to life. Don't try to do too much. Set two to three goals max. It's just not realistic to have five or six fitness goals in a week like I'm gonna ride this many miles, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna do seven, you know, you, you just can't you can't go past two or three weekly goals in my opinion, or it starts to get unwieldy. And I think a lot of people try to do too much. I don't know. Jen, have you ever faced this one in your personal life?
0: Oh, it's so true. You know, I'm actually pretty realistic about those. And when you were talking about it, it reminded me that we had a boss who talked about three to five goals max, and he was actually right about that. (laughs) But I think for fitness, two or three, it's interesting. I actually try to set about three goals per month for myself. They're not all fitness goals. They might be meditation or different types of things, but that feels about, like the amount that I can manage. And so I can talk just a little bit about what my current goals are since I've had this kind of epiphany that we talked about in episode one. So really, I'm, sounds very basic, but I'm trying to meet 75 minutes of vigorous exercise or 300 minutes of uh, moderate exercise per week. And um, because I'm a little bit of an overachiever, I've been aiming for more like 150 minutes of Uh, vigorous exercise but the beauty in that is it's very flexible so it could be running it could be a brisk walk it could be rowing like there's a lot of different things I could do to meet that goal and then um, also strength training twice a week which is really important for women and I think we tend to neglect it I know I do because I find it so incredibly boring but I've been really trying to work that into my routine
1: Yeah, that's great. So that's a great example, Jen, of how you can take these tips and put them into practice. Uh, for me lately, like it's been a bit different. I mentioned the broken fibula earlier and we're going to dive into injury, recovering from injury in the next episode. But for me, I had a super simple goal, um, over the past few weeks. And that was just getting back on a bicycle so and right. I I'm excited because I achieved it today I got on my indoor bike and rode for the first time in like three months Sweet. but yeah that was a really simple goal that I wanted to achieve and and during this period I have been able to do like upper body strength training so I've been trying to do that three times a week so I'm doing something now if I go back practically before the injury uh, I had three goals um, the first one was riding 80 miles a week on my bike the second one was doing at least two strength workouts and the third one was walking 10 miles per week because walking is something that's become really really important to me and really central to my fitness. So it's interesting because going through the injury now I'm like I've actually seen a lot of gains with the upper body strength training. So I'm thinking about reassessing my goals as you know and it'll take some time as I, I move forward off the injury, but trying to find more balance is going to be really important for me moving forward. And I think that's another important point with with setting goals like you don't just have to keep the same goals, see what's working, you know, do some self-reflection and exactly. then come back and reassess and adjust moving forward. And that's the fun thing about fitness. You don't have to do keep doing the same things. You can change it up. Exactly. All right. So that was a really great discussion about setting realistic goals. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. If you have ideas, head out to practically.fit. You can comment on the podcast. You can comment on our newsletter. You can also send me an email with your ideas, Alex at Fit. We want you to engage with the podcast. So please feel free to share your thoughts with us. And we'll think about moving forward, how we get those thoughts out onto the podcast.
0: You can also tell us about your most unrealistic goals too, because I think that would be highly entertaining. We'll enjoy those too. So send those our way as well.
1: Yeah, maybe we do a segment on people's unrealistic fitness oh, goals yeah, because I know I've had some entertaining ones. Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, we have another episode out right now that you can listen to, the third episode. It's about recovering from injury, so check that out. Head on over to our website, practically.fit, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and, of course, the podcast. And just keep listening. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Fitness is for everybody. Come back again.
0: Thank you.